Welcome to episode 34 of the Sauce Comic Book Podcast. We are recording November 25th. My name is Paul McGinty. With me are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matthew Roderick Casal. It's Richard. <laughs> Tonight we're going to give thanks to all that we love and appreciate about comic books. I'm sure we're going to talk some favorite creators, favorite artists, maybe even just say we're thankful that comic books exist. How lazy would that be if we did something like that? How lazy would that be, Ian? Extremely lazy. But before we get into the bulk of tonight's show, housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. Thanksgiving is a time to be thankful, to eat turkey, to hang out with your family. And watch football. And watch football. Or hockey, if you prefer. Is there a hockey game? Are there hockey games? Yeah, the last maybe two, three years the NHL has been doing. What game is this uh, Thursday? Hockey is... I don't think it's any teams that I care to watch. I think it's like Red Wings, Blue Jackets. Hockey gets New Year's... New Year's Day for me, for my sports paying the, attention. The Winter Classic. Winter Classic is New Year's Day. Christmas Day, the NBA gets some marquee games. With Thursday, Thanksgiving, that's football. No wonder I've no- never noticed there not being sports on Christmas Day. Oh, this... are you not a big NBA guy, Matt? Seriously? Yeah, I like the NBA. Really? Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. Man. The NHL isn't highlighting any games on Thanksgiving. They do... The day after, I think. There's a there's a big and the big ruin the big Bruins Rangers matchup. It'd be tough to televise anything on Thanksgiving that isn't football. There's to be a, honest. There's a big Steelers Ravens game on on Thursday. What what time is that game? Eight thirty. It's that's the a late night game. game. I think myself and Ryan McCormick of a fireside chat and some other friends are going to watch the game and podcast. So you can look out for that. Wow, that sounds kind of... side chat. Whatever. On this Thanksgiving, you get your choice of Canucks Senators at 7.30 or Oilers Predators at 8. Two stinkers. Or Steelers Ravens at 8.30, right? That is pretty, pretty... I might even Pretty weighted decision-making for you. And while you're watching Ravens and Steelers... You can tell your family members, tell your grandmother, tell your uncles and aunts about McSauce.com, where they can get the new episode on Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving. You can tell them before, so that they'll be able to sit around, watch football, turn the sound down, and listen to the podcast. And that I think that'll be much better. You can even tell your grandmother to go to the Facebook site. And they can be open to all the colorful language that they didn't know that you used. That would be really unfortunate. <clears throat> but you can also go to the you can go to iTunes. You can leave us a review. Grandma can leave us a review and say you should probably not say cunt. <laughs> Just pull out the mother, the mother of all words. Why right hold there. back? Why hold back? I think it's because it's the harshness of the word. It's the hard consonants. It's the face you have to make if you're going to properly say "cunt." You kind of have to scrub you your to nose sneer. a little bit. Yeah, I feel it's like the you subject at a, a matter as well. You have to work for it. You have to add a snort into it. When I you don't say know it. how would you do such a thing. Paul could probably demonstrate. No, you I have a good idea. When I, when I say the word, 
I just you like here. snarl. Yeah. You can't. Bit. There's no way to softly say cunt. Cunt it, is that? It sounds like, like, a, that? like it has German origins. Does it not? It does. Like you should have a beer stein. Herr cunt. Yeah, Herr cunt. Yes. <laughs> but some place you won't hear the word cunt is at the Oaks this holiday season. The Oaks <laughs> 16 days of, of Xmas. This upcoming weekend. Is 20, that true? I haven't seen a Christmas story in a long actually, time. That, actually, that maybe I probably will Actually, I take it all back because this weekend, the 29th and the 30th at 10 p.m., Bad Santa, my all-time favorite Christmas movie. Is Are you save it for the podcast. But it is the podcast. I can't. <laughs> I can't save it any longer. Well, now you ruined the Christmas podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. Bad Santa, featuring John Ritter in his most noble of roles, as well as Bernie Mac. That was his final role, as a matter of fact. John Ritter's. If you're gonna go out, there's not a better way to go out than being Bad Santa. Well, John Ritter wasn't Bad Santa. Well, being in Bad Santa. Okay, I, I got wasn't. you. He'll always be Jack Tripper to me. Uh, another thing that we'd like to talk about today, and if, you, if you're if you a fan of this podcast, if you've listened to us talk, and you've followed our exploits since I think it's been March, you know that we're kind of a bunch of pricks. Santa will be making an extra few trips to the cold dispensary for how poor our behavior is. So maybe this holiday season, we're going to be, we're going to change everything around. It's going to be like Ebenezer Scrooge, and it's not too late to change our ways. So we're going to do the McSaw Superhero Toys for Tots charity this year. And if you're unfamiliar with Toys for Tots, it's a program run by the United States Marine Corps Reserve. They distribute toys to children whose parents cannot afford to buy them gifts. And all through all through October, November, and December of each year, they distribute unwrapped toys to kids in need. So this year we're going to set up a we're going to set up a PayPal account that you can go to. Where we'll have the website and uh, the address for where you can um, send your your money. To Actually, a- it's um, if you just go to mixos.com, there's a donate button there already. Mixos.com donate button. There is a, the that is a, scroll all the way to the bottom. It's on the right hand side toward the bottom. I believe it says. Money burning a hole in your pocket? No, that's the old one. We got rid of that. This is the um, the McSauce comic book podcast, uh, Toys for Tots charity. Any amount that you donate is greatly appreciated. We're going to uh, take these donations, go and purchase comic book related, Star Wars related toys. We're going to try to make them. <clears throat> we're going to try to make the the dollar amount stretch as far as it possibly can. So. No Xboxes, no PlayStation 4s. We're going to get things that I think children of the 80s, like ourselves, action figures and things like that. Games, puzzles, um, maybe Legos. Legos are expensive, though, but Angry Birds, Star Wars. Maybe even even some things close to our hearts, like uh, art tools or things of that nature, since we're all artists. Um, So I I think that this is a really noble cause. Uh, Please help us out and... And donate some some money to some kids that are in need this holiday season. 
and we, we already thank you in advance. So what we're thinking about doing is going on a big shopping spree maybe a week or so before Christmas or maybe a couple weeks before Christmas, depending on when Toys for Tots needs the, the toys. But we might even record our, our journey, our excursion to the toy store. Um, for everybody, so that could be uh, quite an adventure. In so you can itself. hear us getting into a fist fight in the Barbie aisle. I haven't been in <laughs> Toys R Us for a long time. Really? You used to work there, didn't a long you? Time, yeah. Ian, I believe you used to work <clears throat> at a uh, at a Toys R Us. I used to work at Toys R Us for many, many years. My lovely wife still was trapped in that lovely, lovely store, <laughs> but. Me and Paul both worked at Toys R Us during the same span of years, so we kind of, it was uh, late that, 90s, early 2000s. That is 2000s. not how you met. That is not how we met. We met. What were the cha- That's why you became friends, though. It was one of multiple factors in our eventual union. I believe that our eventual union had more to do with Heartbreak and Candlebox <laughs> than anything else. So Ian making fun of Candlebox, yes. if we're going to be honest about it. Well, let's be honest about it. I was making fun of it. But that's how we met. And we both worked at Toys R Us. I imagine that that's where, we'll, where we will go for our Toys for Tots shopping spree. I'm pretty excited about this idea, so I hope everybody helps out. Any dollar amount you can... You can offer. At the very least, us three are going to donate, so... Right. Yes. There there will be a shopping spree. There will be toys for the less fortunate. So if you listen to this show and you've listened to it... If you like kids... And you like kids, or even if you don't like kids, but support the show, <clears throat> the best way to show the, your support is with a couple bucks. If you hate us and want to make us go to Toys <laughs> R Us during a Christmas rush, <laughs> donate. Oh, I didn't even think about that. It's going to be a massacre, and I'm excited for it. <laughs> so, but tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about what we're thankful for in comic books. I think we all have a lot of strong feelings about the things that comic books have brought to our lives, and we're going to share those with each other at the, at the table. We've each compiled the top three things that we're thankful for in the comic book nerddom realm. This is the feast of, of uh, thankfulness here at the feast of comic book We're table. feast on hoagies and jalapeno poppers at the hoagies and jalapeno poppers break. Much like the pilgrims <clears throat> and the Indians did that first Thanksgiving. Hoagies, jalapeno poppers, and smallpox. So we're going to start with our number three item that we're most thankful for this Thanksgiving season because we give tribute to Thanksgiving. We don't just steamroll over it like we're Christmas. That's right. Fuck you, Chris Kringle. To hell with you, Christmas. The the commercialism of... We touched on this a little bit last week. But the commercialism of Christmas, especially working in, in advertising like Paul and I do, we're exposed to Christmas a solid four months before it actually happens. And it, it, it has just completely overtaken any unfortunate holiday in its wake that gets in its way. I mean, I, I certainly Thanksgiving is dead compared to Christmas, 
Halloween's dead. I feel like the 4th of July is in jeopardy of getting overshadowed by Christmas anymore. So, it's not just, it's not just me. Because sometimes I think, well, you know what, maybe when I was a kid, I didn't pay attention to all this, all this stuff. So, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue, I didn't recognize it. And thought maybe you didn't. It's, it's, maybe maybe that it's always been like this. But now that I'm adult, now I see things differently. I'm Dude, it's getting worse now, though. It's getting way worse now. Um, I think I'm really sensitive to it. Just like I mentioned um, during housekeeping, my wife is a Toys R Us employee, so to- the holiday season and Christmas isn't really a joyous time <laughs> around my house. It's a it's bunch a of household. It's a bunch of. Uh, <laughs> Overnight shifts, it's a lot of missing out this year. Um, A lot of retailers are opening their doors around 4 o'clock on On Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That's going to affect me. And I'm not too happy. I've worked on Thanksgiving before, but the fact that it's at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, during the middle of, like, the the football games, the first football game might not even Mm. be over by the time I have to leave. I thought... He was going to say, Tracy works at Toys R Us. She's going to have to work that day. I'm not going to be able to spend time with my wife for Christmas. <laughs> That's where I thought he was going to. Oh. But instead, he's worried about the football game. Man, I'm going to miss the Cowboys game. I'm so glad Tracy doesn't listen to this I podcast. Know. Or we would have to edit out this entire blog. The only thing Nobody is- tell her that knows her. The only that. store that should be open on Chris or on Thanksgiving Maybe. are gas stations and movie theaters. And the same, honestly, goes. Med Express. Med fuck Express. those people. The sick. Fuck them. No, you know what? That's what the emergency room is for, and that's not a store. So, movie, movie theaters and gas stations. Have you ever gone to a movie theater on on any of those? Ho- I on- went on Thanksgiving once. It was nice. It was, I went after dinner, you know, yeah, everything the first had wound down. first time I saw uh, Sorcerer's Stone was Thanksgiving evening. When people bring that up, I'm like, who are you, and how do you not have a million places to go? My Thanksgiving and my holidays are, I have to go to three different places. Mind you, you know, don't pity me. They're all within 15 minutes of each other. But don't still, pity me. There's a- Pitying me for having so many family members that love I have me. a lot of family <laughs> members and a lot of people that want to see me. And I could never imagine having any kind of time to... Don't to... pity me because I have to find the football <laughs> game on three different televisions. <laughs> I gotta make sure that they're on that shit. When I get to the new place, I'm like, alright, give me some... You call them, hey, hey, I'm, I'm give me some turkey and give me the Cowboys game. <laughs> That's right, you call... Your grandma, Hammond, route. Make sure the game's on. I'll be there in five minutes. What's funny is I get there and I get all nervous if like the other game is on, but it's kind of wrapped up, and I'm like, uh, you know, uh, it's on Fox. Pre-game's on. Why don't, we, why don't we check it out? Come on, guys. So. So anyway. Side round. I I really abhor the way Christmas has has hijacked more than any other holiday. Thanksgiving, as my aunt would say, poor Thanksgiving. And you know what? I agree with her. I love Thanksgiving, and I love it more as Christmas becomes more and more tarnished every year with commercialism. Not to sound too much like Charlie Brown. But what I like about that holiday is that it's just about tradition. That's all it's about. It's about family and tradition and food. It doesn't... It takes all the commercialism bullshit out. No presents. No 
like when you go shopping during that time of year, just the, the cutthroat nature of the human race, you don't have to deal with that really so much. What you kind of do now, now that Christmas shopping has kind of... Maybe not so much the human race, but the American race. Yeah, right. Good point. So, um, more than ever, I appreciate and love Thanksgiving. So, so yeah. The family angle is really mm-hmm. the most important thing because that's what that's what thanksgiving is all about is traveling <clears throat> eat, sitting down and having a meal with a, your loved ones and pretty much most people are off that day and what happens the night before thanksgiving that's right you Devil's get night. you get your new comics so you don't have to work you can just sit with your brand new comics and read them and enjoy it. you know when we were kids we used to watch the macy's thanksgiving day parade not anymore now we read comic books. I thought you were going to say, we go to the bar and get shit-faced, because yeah. that's what I always do on that Wednesday. Is that what you're doing this coming Wednesday? Uh, I don't know. Contact me if you guys want to go out, and we'll figure it out. We'll be there. I won't be. I'll be at the comic book store. Well, we'll go after we get comics. Correct. I've, I think Thanksgiving is the most boring holiday. How dare you after we just waxed poetic on this shit. But I appreciate it for a holiday. I don't like that it's being steamrolled by Christmas. I don't like that as soon as... What kind of extra excitement do you want? Do you want fireworks? What do you need to make this a better holiday for you? Thanksgiving is so boring. Ugh, you know I what I could you. use on Thanksgiving? Tacos. Pizza. Italian subs. I don't like Thanksgiving dinner. I've never been a fan of Thanksgiving dinner. Turkey, stuffing, cranberry sauce, <sighs> snorefest. Thanksgiving dinner is so fucking boring. I want different food for Thanksgiving. That would spice up my Thanksgiving. Right, because I hate your I eat, guts. Because what I store, eat, Thanksgiving, di- Thanksgiving dinner is great. Be open? Because I eat uh, turkey Not- and stuffing and cranberries every fucking day. There are people that I do eat that. it twice a year: Thanksgiving and Christmas. What's your least favorite food? Mushrooms. If you only ate mushrooms once a year, you're would gonna, you like them? That you're going to say that? No, I would hate them because they're disgusting. Food? No, it's just boring. There's there's nothing to it unless you put some salsa on that shit. Yeah, unless you put some salsa on it and stuff stuff it in a taco shell. Salsa turkey, turkey taco, right? Yep. Pizza taco, pizza turkey taco. Pizza turkey talk. <laughs> How disgusting would that be? You put some gra- gravy sauce, turkey. Gra- gravy cra- sauce? Gravy sauce. <laughs> Maybe just gravy? No, the sauce of the gravy. You strain it like a third time. <laughs> you put cranberries on there. What else can you put on there to make it super fucking disgusting? Inside, avocado. It, it would. Well, mm, that's super delicious. good. I hear. Uh, you can I put like avocado. I don't like it. Mashed potatoes in the crust. Turkey pizza. When I worked at the Combo KFC Taco Bell, mm-hmm. we would make mashed potato tacos. Have you guys heard that song? Fantastic. Mashed, mashed potato, potato tacos. tacos. No, I'm at the Combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. Who sings that? Is it the? Is it where they? It's Can Taco Hut or something. No, the guy goes, I'm at the Taco oh, Bell, what? Yeah. I'm at the Pizza Hut, what? No. I don't know this song. Mm-mm. So while I appreciate Thanksgiving for being its ho- a, a good holiday that should stand on its own. You don't like family. I don't like, I don't like the, the food. I don't like Thanksgiving dinner. 
So that's why it's the most boring holiday? It's super boring. Well, so if you change that up, you replace it with Taco Bell. Yeah. As you would love. Daddy's in. You would. That would be more exciting. What does Daddy do? So the Daddy holiday... tacos. The, you base the holiday based on the menu. Like, you're appreciating I prefer for a Christmas holiday. dinner because usually it's centralized around ham. I don't like Christmas dinner because I'm not a big ham fan. I will fuck up some ham. Don't fuck around with swine. <laughs> no, but I really don't like, I don't like ham all that much. Well, we're all in agreement. I love bacon. We're all in agreement. Thanksgiving should have a bigger piece of the holiday pie. Pumpkin pie. Or sweet potato love, pie. I love pumpkin pie. I don't like pumpkin Tons pie. Of sweet potato pie. I yes, sweet I know. Pie. Fuck you. Do you know how long it was before I realized that that was uh, a black thing? <laughs> A long time. Because my mom would make it, and she's white. <laughs> and it always tricked me when I talk to the people, and they'd be like, I, I, I never had sweet potato pie. That must be an ethnic thing. I'm like, my mom's German, motherfucker. What mm-hmm. the hell? But it, What's it's, your mom's maiden name? Sauce. Oh, okay. Like, mixed sauce. Okay. Mama makes collard greens every night. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I didn't get it. And I was, it, it was a long time before I realized, I think I was in high school, before I asked my, my girlfriend, she was Italian, and I was talking to her, and she was like, yeah, no, I, I think that's a southern black thing. I don't think no. I've ever had sweet potato pie. It's delicious. I've never had it. Can I come over really? to the house for a I'm going to have to ask Mama Sharpley to make an extra sweet potato pie. For the McSauce group. She will. We, will. we will have it during our post-Thanksgiving podcast. That sounds... Mm. That so sounds why, don't we, why don't we dig into what we're thankful for this 2013 Thanksgiving season. Matt, your number three thing that you were thankful for. Image Comics. Ian? This is the hippy-dippy thing that I referenced... Before the podcast. Hippy dippy. The creative outlet that comics has given to me. Very nice. Thank you. I am thankful for DC's television and maybe movie wing finally moving in the right direction. So Matt, why don't you elucidate, if you will. A what? On your number three. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Holy one. shit! Some, Some of us read books, mother. What a nice word. What a nice word. Image Comics. That's a big... That's a, that, that casts a pretty big umbrella. I agree it does. Mm-hmm. I think what Image Comics represents is... Uh, creativity and freedom. Uh, particularly from the big two, Marvel and DC... Marvel and DC creators are always confined um, with what they could create based on uh, the editors. Especially at DC this past year where you've heard so many horror stories from creators leaving. Yeah, right. And at Image Comics, it's almost like whatever the creator has in mind, they're able to, to create. Now, Image Comics started in 1991, was it? With, uh, I think, about six different rogue artists from Marvel Comics. They, they were all the big guns at Marvel. They were all the number one guys. Well, at least number one through six. Mm-hmm. And um, 
1992. And they went off and they created Image Comics, which was going to be a creator-owned comic book publisher where whoever, whatever character you created, it was your creation. You owned the rights. You could do whatever you wanted creatively with it. And um, that was, what is that, 22 years ago now? Yeah. It has forever changed the landscape of comic books in a positive way, in my opinion. It has, um, it's opened the door for a ton of new creators to bring their creations to life that otherwise would have never seen the light of day. They would have had to either self-publish or try somehow to, to get in with one of the big two publishers and then you know, hopefully work their way up enough to bring in new characters, which the big two seem to be incredibly reluctant to do. I admittedly wasn't reading comics in the, in 92, but through all the research that I've done and just being in comics so long, you can't help but hear the stories and learn about all these other companies. And when yeah. it first started, it was like the kind of the flash and dash company. No real substance, just a, a lot of artists, a lot of good artwork. But they didn't seem to really have a good foundation. But that foundation's paid off because they're a legitimate number three right now. Mm-hmm. Well, with with the the added blessing of Robert Kirkman and the success of The Walking Dead, thanks to the TV show. Because um, frankly, without that, I don't know exactly where Image would be right now. I don't know how seriously people would be taking it. I'm not sure. Certainly, they would still be around. They would still have an impact and an effect. But <clears throat> well, the show's only been around for four years now. But even before the show boom, if you just had the comic, I mean, in, even before the Walking Dead comic printed, I mean, it just was doing pretty well for itself. True. So, and what Image has also done is it's given me because when I entered comic books, it was during my formative years. You know, my my early adolescence, mm-hmm. and uh, it gave me characters that to this day still resonate with me because I was introduced to them at such a young age, like Savage Dragon and Spawn. And even though I wasn't a regular reader of Cyber Force, I still kind of get jazzed when I see Sp- Cyber Force related stuff, any of the old school throwback stuff. But it's also given us things like The Walking Dead and Invincible and. Um, my God, there's there's just countless. Uh, there was a, a series that I absolutely loved, and I was introduced to a great new creator, Trad Moore, who did um, <clears throat> The Strange Tale of Luther Strode, which was an excellent miniseries. It's two miniseries now. Um, and uh, what, I, what I really like about Image is that they're consistently bringing new characters and new ideas to comic books, and not that other publishers don't do that, but especially the big two don't do that. They're very guilty of not bringing new characters to the fold. New and characters don't seem to work for the big two. Do they even try, though? Did they try um, to push a, a new character? Ever? They, there, have been, there have been a lot of new characters introduced for DC for the new 52, but no one... There seems to be a culture that... Well, we we like what we have with the big two. So new characters show up for a few issues, but they never really get picked up on. They try to push Talon 
after the success of Night of the Owls. That's true. They tried to push the bulk of the Teen Titans characters were new characters besides, you know, Superboy and Robin and Wonder Girl. None of those characters seem to pan out. I don't know what Marvel's done in that regard. Some of the new Avengers, or the young Avengers over the last decade have found their places in, in other books. True. But yeah, DC and Marvel, they have their they have their big guns. They have the guys that guarantee bringing money and you're, you're, they're comfortable with that. You're like ninety five percent more likely to see another X Men or Avengers title than a brand new character that, that they're like, you know what this this character, we have some great stories we can tell with this new creation. It just doesn't happen. And that it to me is shameful on those two big companies. Uh so so yeah, Image Comics. I gotta give big props to Image. I love Image. It it They're week f- after week it brings me uh, totally unique stories that you would not get from the big two. And you know, I, I I'm acting sort of like Image is the only independent publisher out there. That's simply not the case, but. They're the biggest independent publisher out there, and I think they kind of represent that entire um, genre, really, independent books. They're, they're kind of the, the flag wavers, the is it flag bearers? I don't know. They would wave the flag. They would bear the ring, I think. Mm-hmm. They publish one of the most acclaimed books on the market right now, Saga. Oh, that's right, yeah. If you take all that Saga and Walking Dead money... Pretty good coin going in uh, Todd McFarlane's pocket. Todd McFarlane. How much? How much does he have to do with Image anymore? Is he still? I think he's technically the president of Image. You know, all the original creators have their kind of. You have the president, and then Mark Silvestri's. I don't know. The vice president, Eric Larson, is the <clears throat> publisher. Is it him or is Jim, Jim Valentino? Jim Valentino was talking, or Eric Larson is not the publisher anymore. It's actually Eric Stevenson. I can't remember what. I think Eric Larson might be CEO. I don't know what the difference between the CEO and the president and the CFO is of Image Comics. I just feel like they all sound like high-ranking positions, and each one of the original creators gets one. In 2003, Valentino was replaced <coughs> as publisher of Image Comics by Eric Larson. Yeah. And then he's restructured Shadowline, his own arm of image. Yeah, they all kind of had their own little imprint. I remember Rob Liefeld had the Extreme Studios. Before Jim Lee left, he had Wildstorm, which is now... Well, it's defunct now. There is no Wildstorm because they just kind of rolled all those characters into DCU proper. And then they disappeared because they didn't want new characters in the DCU. They didn't fit with the... They tried to make them fit, but maybe it didn't quite. Yeah, don't I, don't. Say, it actually did. Don't say they didn't fit. Like they, it's they didn't. DC's fault. No, they didn't fit because nobody likes new characters. I didn't say it was DC's DC. fault. I said they didn't fit. The, I, way, I, the way you said it sounded like DC. Oh, it was the way I said it that I slandered your precious company. DC no, it, they didn't fit because of because of. They're, the fans of DC Comics right. just didn't like them. DC wants Static Shock to be a main staple of their publishing line so fucking bad, but no one gives a shit. I understand what Dwayne McDuffie did with uh, Miles Milestone Milestone characters. Yes, all the you know all the diverse characters in, in, in that universe, and I appreciate it. And if they got folded into the DC universe, 
I'm all the better for that. Didn't but they no do, one didn't they do something like that? Yeah. Or tried no to? one no one fucking gives a shit. No one no one buys those books. What's weird I, is with the Wildstorm characters, I like a lot of those characters. I, I kinda dug Grifter in the Wildcats universe. I bought probably seven issues of Voodoo whenever the new fifty two came out. That was actually pretty cool. It was like there it. was great artwork in it. I'm not so sure that I was down with the writing or but I'm it, it was it held my interest for mm-hmm. six months. Mm-hmm. Icon was a big character in the um, Young Justice cartoon. You know, I refuse to believe though that people don't not want new char- that people don't want new characters. I feel like a lot of the times they put lesser talent on these books. I don't feel like they're marketed heavily like they kind of need to be just to get the word out because they're not familiar. So you have to force that familiarity on people. As Jeff Johns once wisely said, there are no bad characters, only bad writers. How wise of him. Wow, he sounds like he might be one of the best. He could be. Why don't we move on to Ian's third thing that he's thankful for this season. I spent a lot of uh, my younger years drawing. A lot of the time that I spent doing that um, was emulating... The heroes, my heroes, which were comic book artists, um, it took a long time for me to really appreciate the writing aspect of comic books, um, as probably any, you know, teenager or young young kid would, but that was uh, one thing that really gave uh, myself some direction as to what to do with my passion for drawing. I have to thank comic books for that. Were you not a, a big artist before you got into comic books? I was, but I think it fueled... I, a lot of the things that I did were drawing scenes from Star Wars or Transformers, cartoons. But when I, I got into comic books and I really was introduced to the people that you just referenced, Eric Larson, Mark Silvestri, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, those were really... Um, the, image, my, the image fathers. Th- those were my idols whenever I was a teenager. I really, you know, patterned a lot of the the drawings that I would do around the things that I saw um, on the comic page. I learned how to tell some sequential stories just by going along with Marvel, DC, and right. images. Uh, all their all the comic books that I did. You get the book. How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. I have How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. That is like the best book. I I feel like current artists, like the younger guys, need to get that book. Because I feel like it's kind of a little bit antiquated with some of its techniques and everything. But I love the way that they approach drawing comics in that book with the with the dynamism. That they that they bring to the table with like the the angles and the dynamism McSauce lexicon with all the different angles and 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 like poses and the way that they do perspective and because it wasn't just a static image they were always coming at you they were always doing something exactly the old Jack Kirby style of you know not ha- never having a character to stand there and just be pedestrian. They were always swinging from a building. They were always exactly. shooting. They were always shooting, you know, uh, um, a laser beam out of their hands or asshole or something <laughs> like that. Uh, another thing that in recent years I still um, 
I, I still am always trying to emulate things that I see on the comic page. I purchased a how to how to ink comic books by DC put out a really great series how to ink how to color how to story how to draw how to storytell the DC way DC put out a great series of books they did inking penciling they even did coloring which is the one that I really want to read because that's digital. what I just said that is, that's what I was talking about yeah but you said the inking one but mm-hmm. I'm saying they did an entire series I have the uh, I, I have the coloring one which is really great. How to draw... They even have one that's how to draw digitally and how to construct... They go into file types and all the different aspects. I, I have them all. I'll let you borrow them if you I want need to check, to check that out. one out. You're already a great digital artist, but oh, I thanks. think that it will... It, it's it's something that I I carry with me. It's, it's a really integral part of who I am is comic book art. So... See, I, I can't really. I feel like I can't be thankful for this particular item because comic books didn't have any bearing on my own artwork or getting into drawing or any of that. It was more when when you other were, nerd stuff. Whenever you were in your teens, do you think that you drew as much as you draw now? Because I can't imagine <clears throat> that you draw any more than I. I think that your peak. Is right now drawing in the amount that you. Oh, that's sad, isn't it? My peak no. is right now. <laughs> your, your your peak of production. How, how's that? I have never created more artwork than I do than I have you know the last couple of years. And where does that come from? Your love of comic books. Making fun of comic books. <laughs> Making fun of comic books with but, love. And, but during in, in the formative years, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't comic books. It wasn't the medium of comic books. That got me into that. I was always interested in some kind of art, you know, be it coming from He-Man or Transformers or Star Wars or some other kind of nerd media. It wasn't specifically comics. Like I never owned that DC book or the the way DC the, books the way that's yeah. the the, the way Marvel how to draw does the, stuff the how, Marvel way. I even had how to draw comics the Marvel way. I even yeah, had yeah. the the VHS tape of that where Stan Lee sits really? down. And goes through some awesome. some stuff. It was it was really cool. I really enjoyed um, the, all that stuff. The VHS tape that I got. This is my. I would probably have to say my Red Rider BB gun present from when I was a kid. I was I was probably about eight or nine years old the year that I got it. I got the um, How to Draw Cartoons the Blitz way. It was by Bruce Blitz. Um, I guess a renowned cartoonist who did a lot of like. Um, educational how to draw kind of things Mm -hmm. and santa claus brought me who i would find out maybe later that year it was actually my mother she bought me a Uh, save save it for the christmas podcast she bought me a uh it was the whole set it was a vhs tape that it was about an hour long and it took you through like drawing different heads and then into bodies and then a few other things like animals and stuff but it it also had came with like uh, a couple different pens and paper and eraser. Uh, it even had like a little like portfolio sleeve kind of thing, and um, it was incredibly instrumental in helping me learn how to draw. It was, without a doubt, my favorite gift I think I've ever gotten. I mean, I, I used bold, the shit out. That's of a bold it. statement. It's the one like if. Yeah, I mean, 
granted, there have been more personal, meaningful gifts over the years and everything, but the one from my childhood that sticks out to me is is the How to Draw Cartoons, the Bruce Blitzway, or whatever it was called exactly. I can't quite remember. That That's it. I'm looking at it now. It looks like it gives you some ideas of how to really draw gestures and, you know, take a single line and draw your character flowing along that single line so that it can give the um, the impression of motion or mm-hmm. action. Maybe that's why I have such an appreciation for that style, that, that movement kind of style in, in a drawing. Before I got into comic books, I was a real big Calvin and Hobbes and comic strip fan. Me too. Uh, so that was what was influencing me up until the point where I got into, uh, it was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, actually, the Ninja Turtles Archie comic books. And uh, that was, that was my dad came home and brought me that Archie comic book, and uh, that was the first comic book that I, that I had in, whenever I was a teenager, or, you know, I guess I was 12 or something Pops like sharply, that. making it happen. But I did bring that one. I didn't buy it for myself, of course. The one that I did buy was Spider-Man number 12. But Ninja Turtles, Adventures, Archie Comics, number 17, February of... Wow, we... 91. And you read this and you said, I want to do something kind of tangentially like that. I want want to be able to put something way shittier on the computer. So that is what I'm thankful for, the uh, creative influence that comic books have had on my life and my art. Paul. Ian. Your number three thing to be thankful about comic books. My number three is a little more specific to the current uh, time of year and state of comic book publishers that we're in. In DC, seemingly getting the media side of their business moving in the right direction. They've taken such a backseat, especially in the movies, and movie-wise, I think they're still in the backseat. As our DC vs. Marvel podcast demonstrated. Uh, but with, with Arrow having success and a couple other projects in the hopper, Man of Steel did... Pretty well, even though it took some critical hits, especially from fanboys. They seem to have a little bit of a foundation built to continue building from. And after, you know, it's no no secret. I'm a DC guy. Yeah, I don't think it's a secret. No secret here. But, you know, seeing them just start it's and not? stop and fail so many times, you know. I was looking back through some of our old comic strips and... Uh, I forgot that uh, you know David Gore had a flash a flash script written uh, like 2008, and that got smashed. And there was a Joss Whedon Wonder Woman script that was that was sent in, and that got squashed. Do you think that that would have been good? Because I have I, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't have been a success. That's it could have been too jokey jokey, too many cream pies and banana peels. We, we love cream pies and banana peels. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. You'd think, uh, you know, I, I think Joss Whedon, well, Joss Whedon wasn't the movie-making name he was at that point. He was known for 
Buffy primarily. It could have been the thing that put him on the movie-making map. Oh, I would have let him run with it. You know, it, just based on the success of Buffy overall, critically and fanboy-wise. Are you a big Buffy fan? <clears throat> I'm not. I've never seen an episode of Buffy. But I know how popular it was with fans. Not just in the nerd community, but normal people. Do you have no Love interest in, in the show Buffy? I'd like to check it out. I'd like to sit down and watch it. Sharply? We own the entire series of Buffy on DVD. I've only watched a few episodes. What did it do for you? Anything? Was it not your It was okay. I just, I just didn't really get into it. Um, but it's not because it was bad. I just didn't have time to start into that series. But I, I'm sure I would enjoy it. So uh, let me ask you this. Christy Swanson or Sarah Michelle Gellar? Christy Swanson. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Based on her role in the movie with Charlie Sheen where he fucks him in the moving car. The Chase? Yes. That's a really good movie. I don't think I know that movie. It's not bad. Uh, yeah, it's it, not, it'll surprise, it wasn't it'll bad you. when I was 15, but... Yeah, it wasn't bad when I was 15 either. Yeah. I imagine that's around the time I saw it. I don't remember The Chase. Actually, I bet I, I, bet I saw it in my early 20s. But I thought that was a... HBO thing. Yeah, it might have been later in my teens, but... Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I liked her in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't... I did too. I also liked... I also like her in her guest appearances in Psych. Hmm. I don't even know what that is. She's aged fairly well. You don't know what Psych is? Hmm. USA TV show about fake psychic detective Sean Spencer and his buddy Burton Guster? No. Maybe maybe I like it so much because Sean's white and Gus is black. Hey, that's it, like another duo. It reminds me of me and my buddy Ian. <laughs> but Matt, you're not a you're not a TV guy. You're a movie guy, so that doesn't that doesn't surprise me that you don't know what Psych is. Ian, do you know what Psych is? I've watched a handful of episodes of oh, Psych. There you go. So so Ian knows Psych. I, I enjoy know, it. I know the chase. Not what I um. By the I way, mentioned... for the record, for the record, Christy Swanson for me. Over Two to Sarah one. Geller. Sarah Michelle Geller. I don't think that we play competitive games on this show, but that's fine. Ian doesn't we, like when we, we play competitive games. We've been known to do games. that, actually. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a staple of the podcast, but it, it happens. There's a lot of DC TV shows in the hopper right now. Getting ready to go to pilot, be produced. Or on the hopper, Dish Network. On the hopper. Some of them, I'm not so sure about Our Man. That sounds like that sounds like a Cape sequel to me. Six issues and out. The Cape was so bad. It was bad. The Cape was pretty bad. Um, what's her name? River Tam. What's that actress's name? Summer Glau. Summer Glau. So hot. On such a bad show. Cape was pretty rough. But Our thankfully Man. she rebound and she is on Arrow now. She is. Our, Our Arrow has exceeded all of my expectations. Next week when the show comes back is the premiere of the first Barry Allen episode. I'm fucking jazzed. I can't wait to fucking sit down and watch this episode. He's not going to be the Flash. It's just Barry Allen. But they're going to set things up for the potential Flash pilot that they're going to set up. Uh, they've been talking about an Amazon show, or show called what you, Amazon. What do you think about that? I think they should really save 
Wonder Woman for the big screen? I think that moviegoers and TV watchers are sophisticated enough to understand a Wonder Woman movie and a Smallville-type TV show about Wonder Woman. I don't think they need to be exclusive or one needs to lead to the other. Much like, much like Matt and I do at our jobs, we cater to the lowest possible denominator. And I think that's what DC does. I, you know, DC probably looks at their slate of characters and is like, no one's going to be able to grasp this. No one's going to be able to get it. But they're totally wrong. You know, moviegoers and TV watchers, they're not as dumb as you think. You can send... You can send Amazon about, you know, Diana's formative years on Themyscira or Man's World and have a Wonder Woman, you know, big screen blockbuster at the same time. They, they did a similar thing. They already wrote part, part of that movie. Anyway, it's called fucking Thor. You can do that fish out of water from an exotic locale. It's, it's easy to do. I'm pretty sure they can do that. I don't and know why they're so yeah. scared of it. Okay, two things. One... Um, doesn't Marvel kind of do that right now, though, where they're trying to tie the TV show in with the movie and not let it they're, be two separate they're things? They're failing with that, but yes, they do that. So, clearly, that's not working. Right. But, well, yeah, because Marvel's tying it into the movies. If you keep them separate, which mm-hmm. is why Arrow has been successful, because Arrow can do whatever the fuck they want. Granted, it's kind of like the Batman TV show. I have not watched Arrow, but does Arrow feel like it could exist in the same world as, like, the Superman? It does. I think it does. I think it's a better version of the Superman universe, if you ask me. I think it... Stephen Amell could absolutely roll right in to to the the Batman Superman without missing a beat. That'd be cool. But Arrow's separate enough that they can... They have so much freedom. It's kind of like... You know, you put a you put a writer on Superman, and he has all these rules to follow, all these standards. He can only do this and this and this. But if you put him on Swamp Thing, the comic world world is his oyster. Did I say that backward? The oyster is his world. No, you the said it right the oyster. first time. I thought you were going to do a swamp related thing. And like with tuber. and with Arrow, the world is his do, tuber. They can do whatever they want. They can go anywhere. Right, but with Shield. You. It's like, okay, what are the movies doing? We need to make sure the major problem we don't go against any of the big money makers. The major problem with S.H.I.E.L.D. is that they aren't using any recognizable superheroes. It's about the office well, that manages yeah. the superheroes. Maybe, and that's Marvel, maybe Marvel will get it figured out when they do the Netflix show. Maybe if they got Steve Carell and Phil good. Coulson role. So the, the other point that I wanted to bring up... That's what she said. The other point that I wanted to bring up, Ian, because you mentioned it, was you brought up Thor. And, and I was listening to last week's podcast, and, and I about spit my, my drink all over my computer as I was listening when you said you would give Thor 2 a 9 out of 10. <laughs> I have to revisit that. Could, are, are you willing to, to reevaluate? I'll, 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 uh, I'll brush it back a little bit. We'll say... If Empire Strikes Back is 10, we will say that I give Thor 2... A seven. Is that fair? Yes. Did that 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 offended you so badly? It was pretty bad. I'm I'm nothing I'm not. if not passionate. Yeah. It, at the time, at the time when you said it, uh, it I was like, yeah, whatever. It maybe made you raise an eyebrow, but when you listen back, when I, yeah. When I listen back, like like Matt, you know, we we were listening 
at separate times at work. You guys were listening together with headphones, one headphone in one ear, one headphone. (laughs) Don't lie. I know how you listen to this show. Like, the way I like to remember it is that we were listening to it at the same time, and we ran to each other in the middle of the office. Like, can you imagine that Ian just said that? I can't believe it. See, this is this is the part of the show that the listeners don't get to enjoy. Is the Tuesday morning after we do this, or Wednesday when we're all listening to it separately? These two little girls are together at work. Like, yeah, Ian said some stupid shit. <laughs> And I'm sitting in the you parking lot. Of Chick- I'm sitting in the parking lot at Chick Fil A, fighting with these cocksuckers via text message. You get Chick Fil A? Yeah, I do get Chick Fil A. Oh. In, in the morning? Not in the morning. You're because so we fight lucky. at lunchtime. I love Chick Fil A. I thought you were gonna like. And you hate, hate and you hate gays. That's what I, you just yeah. Said that, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, what? I know they hate the gays, but their sandwiches oh, are delicious. Oh yeah, because yeah. Oh, I boycotted them for like three months, but that spicy chicken is the bomb, son! I can't go without it! You know who else thought the spicy chicken was the bomb? The Nazis. <laughs> is that what Hitler had? He had like an awesome chicken sandwich. And everybody, <laughs> and everybody was like, ah, uh, you know, Jews are kind of bad. This this chicken sandwich is great! He had a rotisserie. Did he? Uh-huh. And he was down with Movember, so... He absolutely was. He Even was a, though his Movember was a little weak. He was a pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> let's, so, not, let's not give Adolf Hitler credit on the Mixos podcast. I know, I'm sorry. I take it all back. Charlie but, Chaplin did that first. He did, he did, did it he, Do we know this for sure, or were you just saying that, to cover up on me giving Hitler props on? I'm covering up you being a Nazi on the podcast. <laughs> Wouldn't that be ironic? <laughs> they wouldn't even want you. I know. They wouldn't. Maybe they would. They're like, ah, you know, our new, rank, age, new age Nazis. Our, our ranks are thin. <laughs> We're going for a new demographic. <laughs> so, anyway. Matt is appalled by our, our hate. Talk. I apologize for my Hitler speech as well as my high ranking of. Thor. I just, I find it humorous that, like, 20 minutes ago we were asking for donations for Toys for Tots. Oh, jeez, yeah, that's gonna be so bad. But, that part, housekeeping is always serious. These are all Everything jokes. else. And everybody listening to this understands Housekeeping is never serious. What? Oh. I listened to that housekeeping well, that, that one part. Week. That one part was... That part, that little section that five of housekeeping the was, show. was serious. So, number threes out of the way. Let's move on to number twos that we're thankful for. Oh, Matt, I'm thankful for number twos. Oh, sweet relief sometimes. I like being regular. I wish I was. Yeah, sometimes yeah. I'm a little too regular. <clears throat> That's weird <clears throat> that we would be thankful for that. But anyway, number two, Matt, what are you thankful for? Not the shit. Stanley. I'm thankful for Stanley. Paul, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for Jeff Lemire. Ian? I'm thankful for Vertigo Comics. Matt, Stanley, another wide umbrella of subject matter. Stanley. 
as you may have heard, created um, Spider-Man. And a couple other characters, I think. Yeah, I think he did the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, the Incredible Hulk, Thor. Fantastic Four. Did yeah. Did Yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess that's the big one, right? He seems pretty instrumental. Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom. Uh, who, the, who knows what other The villains. Mole Man. Yeah. So he created... Um, what what a lot of people know as the um, outside of maybe the big two, you know, Superman and Batman, he created what is basically known as to most casual fans modern superheroes and modern comics, because mainly a lot of these characters are in the movies. Um, he he's responsible for the Marvel universe. He is he's responsible like, for the Marvel universe. He has some help. There's a lot of. There's a lot. There's a stand. The section of Stanley detractors out there that that want to give more credit to uh, Ditko and Kirby as Shema. Yes, as as all those creators deserve. However, I don't think we can take anything from what Stanley accomplished because Stanley was involved in all of those characters. Correct, and and. The bottom line really is he was the creator. He created the idea of Spider-Man. Spider-Man, the idea came from Stan Lee's head, and he communicated that to Steve Ditko, who in turn drew it for him. But uh, he's in he's in such a unique place in comic book history because DC doesn't have that. DC's taken their characters from. All kinds of different publishers mm-hmm. over the years. Superman and Batman, two different creators, all kinds of different, all kinds of different creators from the DC universe. You have Captain America, a couple other guys who weren't Stanley creations in the Marvel U. But even with Image, that's a what five guys went into, into creating Image Comics. Five or six, yeah. Stanley is really one guy with a lot of responsibility on the show. Sure is. Let's talk more about him after the break. Good idea. Welcome to Marathon. May I help you? Yes. How may I help you? You can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. Then you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. And I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. And I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway to get back here to have you smile at my fucking face. I want a fucking car right fucking now. I see your rental agreement. I threw it away. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, what? You're fucked. Welcome back, podcasters. We're back from the hoagie and jalapeno popper break. I'm pleased to announce that they were cheddar cheese jalapeno poppers and not cream cheese poppers. The dreaded evil cousin. 
That's right, the Lex Luthor of poppers, if you will. Who's that? Charles Xavier's brother. Ah, yes, I'm familiar with his work. Matt, sub and popper count. Uh, it w- was an eight-inch sub. I cut it in half, so I had a, a four-inch sub, and then the top bread of a four-inch sub. I think you ate more than this four. I think you you. There wasn't four inches left of. Oh well, that. I cut it in half, so maybe they lied. Maybe it's six <clears throat> inches. Could be. And why do we know that there wasn't that much left, Paul? Hoagie and popper count. Oh, I had two poppers and I had like five things of um, uh, celery. Two poppers, no celery, one eight inch Italian, and I would say a quarter of Matt's sub. (laughs) Matt's discarded close to the garbage sub, which you devoured. I saved it. With gusto. I saved it. Waste not, want not. Ian? One eight inch, two poppers. <laughs> One eight inch, two poppers. That's my nickname in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also like to say that I did not get into any kind of fight with the the the, the pizza hoagie place. Who we uh, giving the shout out to this week. We're giving the shout out. <laughs> to Falcone's Pizza. <laughs> or otherwise known as Franco's Pizza in uh, Unity Center. But I didn't fight with them. It was a smooth and lovely ordering process. I'm happy to take the bullet for the team anytime that we need a nice and uh, civil ordering of food. So it's done. Before we left the first part of our break, we were getting into talking about Matt's second thing that he's thankful for, which is Stan Lee, the godfather of Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Matt, why do you love Stan Lee so much? I also feel like he's responsible for, well, maybe not necessarily modern comics anymore, but I mean, certainly he was influential on comics uh, as we know them today. Um, the yeah, Silver he, Age, if you will. <clears throat> yeah, his characters have certainly withstood the test of time. And because of his creations, we've been treated to countless number of comic books, um, a lot of great movies, and, um, and and beyond that, you know, toys, video games. I mean, just truly countless hours of enjoyment and entertainment from that one man. So, got to give uh, Stan Lee a big, a big uh, ovation, I think. Yeah, Stanley is Stanley is responsible for a lot of shit. I don't think there's any one single creator in comic books that could rival. With I don't Stanley. think that you could ever replicate that either. The way that comic books were produced, and there's absolutely no way that one writer would be able to do it, as many projects. I think it was yeah. the right time and place. Yeah, I don't think it's a stretch to say he's a once in a lifetime. Even more than a lifetime kind of thing. I mean, no one's ever going to have the opportunity to build, essentially build a company from the ground up. Yeah. Captain America notwithstanding. Who else didn't he create? Thor? Uh, um, I think he did create Thor. I could be wrong on that. He Neymar, he didn't create. 
He didn't create Wolverine. He didn't create... Meaning he didn't create the Marvel version of Thor. What? I think I think he did create the Marvel version of Thor. I'm pretty sure it was his, yeah. Yeah? I think Could so. Could be wrong. But the majority of the Marvel characters that you know and love are Stan Lee. Came out of Stan Lee's creative mind. Mm-hmm. X-Men... Daredevil, I think, was a Stan Lee joint. Fantastic Four, <clears throat> Spider-Man. According to Wikipedia, Stan Lee gets credit for Thor, along with Jack Kirby and Larry Lieber. Yeah, Jack Kirby deserves a lot of credit, a lot of um, acknowledgement as well, and I hope that we're not offending anybody, much like uh, the great Alex Ross was offended whenever Kevin Smith opted to put Stan Lee in, um, in the beloved movie Mallrats. And for some reason, Alex Ross felt, I believe the actual quote is, it irked him that there was no acknowledgement for Jack Kirby in that movie. And uh, Kevin Sounds Smith, like the great Alex Ross needs to get over his fucking self. Yeah, well, it's funny now because for a while I believe they were feuding, but now they're actually, I think they get along. Stanley and Alex Ross? No, Alex Ross and Kevin Smith. And... Uh, well, Stanley's also a salesman. I mean, he's a good public figure. He really is. Like, you know, he's you can he's been in cameos for all all of those Marvel movies. He's still going out to conventions. He's signing for hours. He's just such a good salesman of comics in general. And for the general public that doesn't know comics like we do, he's a good face. He's a good spokesman. It's his voice too. His, he has such a, an enthusiastic iconic specific voice i wish he would do a podcast because i could listen to it truly for hours um he if i'm not mistaken there's a new video game that just came out called lego marvel superheroes and in the trailer for the video game i believe stan lee does the whole voiceover and talks about it it's pretty cool but um yeah yeah. you know god i don't know about uh like Steve Dicko or some of the other older guys, but you know Jack Kirby was always from everything I've read and, and researched about him. He was always a little, a little gruff. You know, he had kind of an edge to him. So like he wasn't gonna be the guy to go out there and champion comics and be a friend of the people. And he was more of a you know I'm gonna do what I want to do and that's it. Where Stanley really has been a salesman for all these years promoting comic books and everything about them. Comics in general tend to lend the creators to a solitary lifestyle. You create those things by yourself. If you're an artist, you're working long hours away from the public. Most of those people seem to shy away from the public spotlight. I think now with social media and Twitter, you get more of a chance to see these people and talk to them and hear them, but... Back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and, and 90s, you, you had to come out on television or do radio, and Stan Lee was built for all that stuff. Yeah. I remember his voiceovers on Saturday mornings during, like, after uh, the show, like, after um, Super Friends or something. And not Super I Friends. I hope it wasn't Super Friends. <laughs> what was the... What was uh, the, Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends. His Amazing Friends. And you would hear his voiceover during the end credits, um... You know, calling calling you a true believer and didn't stuff. He, didn't he do uh, like the in the in show? Uh, Meanwhile, you know, yeah, like 
Yeah, yeah, back at Spider-Man's lair, or whatever. Then he had a lair in Amazing Friends, right? Yeah, I heard today he had a lair, and it was mentioned that Tony Stark built that lair. As a little Easter egg in the show. Hmm. He had like a spider cave with a lot of forensic uh, research material and whatnot. In a way, Peter Parker, scientist, would have that kind of stuff. He would have a lair. He absolutely would have a spider lair. And a spider car. He would. One of the interesting things, or kind of funny things about Stan Lee is that he always loved science fiction. Loved it. But his problem was, as a writer, he didn't know anything about science. So whatever he thought just kind of sounded cool, he ran with it. That's why, you know, Spider-Man gets bit by a radioactive spider, and now he has spider powers and, and gamma rays for the Hulk. That's what makes the Hulk the Hulk. None of it makes any sense whatsoever. It it makes less sense than most other, um, I think, mainstream hero origins and things like that. Well, that's the fun of comic books. Oh, it is. I love it. I love that approach. I feel like if I was writing a comic book, that's that would be my style. You'd have your guy get hit by the secret ooze. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, the secret, the ooze is such a nebulous thing. I mean, we know spider venom and gamma rays are not going to give you superpowers. We don't really know what the ooze is. The ooze might do it for the you. The ooze it may get it done. That's true. It may turn you into a turtle. Or whatever animal you're Or a turtle into a teenager. To. Right. <clears throat> true. No, well, it didn't turn the turtles into teenagers immediately. It turned them into... It baby, turned into baby, baby turtle people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tadpoles and, with legs and shells. No, that's frogs. Yes. What was what happened to Baxter Stockman that he got turned into the fly? Did he have some ooze or was it a ray? I forget. I don't remember the current Baxter Stockman in the Amazing Ninja Turtles cartoon is not a fly. He's a Same. robot guy for the podcast. This is the podcast. Meaning he creates robots. Well, he's going into. into are we doing a Ninja Turtles podcast? No, 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 Did Stanley create the Ninja Turtle? <laughs> I think he did, yeah. Yes, he did. Anything that was good reading. Good reading, comic books, Stan Lee is behind it somehow, some way. So, Ian, is is there a number two on your thankful list? Uh, yeah, Vertigo Comic Books was number two for my list. There's a period of time, mid-90s, when... Uh, Sports and girls were way more important to me than comic books. I had kind of fallen out of going to the shop every Wednesday. Now it's just sports. Now, <laughs> now I no com- comic books dominate my. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm not into sports as much as I used to be. Sure, like my comic books though. But back in the day. I kind of fell out. It was right out. It was after Image had been around for a while. Um, I some of the creators had moved on to other projects. It wasn't all the original stuff. Marvel was busy with the Clone Wars. DC was, I think, in the middle of Nightfall and breaking 
Batman's back. The death of Superman. Putting a mullet on Superman. A lot of things that I didn't really enjoy. So there was a good span of three or four years where I really wasn't into comic books all that much. Um, Vertigo Comics changed all that for me with Preacher. Brought me back into really appreciating comic books for something that could be different. Later on, uh, I went on to follow Why the Last Man, which was also another really different kind of book that was not your typical tights and capes and powers, things like that. Scalped is another Vertigo imprint that I, that I enjoy a lot. By Jason Aaron, right? Jason Aaron. Um, uh, about an Indian reservation. It's like an <coughs> in Indian reservation gangster. I know that sounds really weird, but I enjoy the hell out of it. It, it changed the way that I felt about comic books because it was so it was so different. It was so gritty. Um, it was worlds away from Spawn, and even though Spawn's gritty, it was worlds away from Amazing Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and those bright colors of those universes. And um, I'm thankful for Vertigo to bring me back to comic books, where maybe if that wasn't around, maybe maybe I would have never came back and been treated to all the things in the 2000s that I was able to experience. I like some Vertigo stuff. Vertigo's done me well over the years. Like what? Preacher? Uh-huh. Uh, I enjoyed the first hardback of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Why the Last Man? When they retroactively made Watchmen a Vertigo title, I think that fits into that world... Uh, that that's another book that's that's great that really had some influence on the way I felt about comic books. Since I've been into comics, Vertigo and DC have always been. No, are we all part of the same universe? Are we keeping everything separate? What are we doing? Like between the two, you get different points of view for each one at different times. <clears throat> I would really like to like Fables. I would too. Great covers, supposedly amazing story, can never get into it. I read the first Fables trade twice. Really? First time I read it, because I want to like it. It's like seeing a movie that you hate, and then buying the novel, because you want to like it. Right, Matt? I wouldn't know anything about that. I did it with Attack of the Clones. It didn't work, I still hate the movie. But it gave me a little more insight. As I feel to, like he was looking right at me when he said it. I he, feel like he, he, he was looking was. right at you? He did do that? I was talking about the Rob Zombie joint. Yeah, I knew that's what you were talking about. But I also did it with, with Attack of the Clones. I bought the novelization to see if maybe it could help me like the movie better. But yeah, I read the first Fables trade twice. and I want to like it so bad. There's such a... There's such a big run on it. There's so many books out there. I love to dig into it and just, you know, start getting start getting the books and dig into that entire universe. But even after a second read through that trade, it just didn't do anything for me. I was like, okay, yeah, that was it. I like uh, American Vampire, Scott Snyder. That I'd like to check out. I'll have to let you borrow it. I read the first few issues. It didn't do much for me, to be no. honest. Yeah. Yeah. Big surprise. <laughs> I'm just being difficult. <laughs> I, have, I have the first two trades. I really enjoyed them. Why don't you bring those over next podcast? I will. I'll let you take a crack at it. Um, I think Day Tripper was also a Vertigo joint. Yeah. It's a book about that I read a couple couple of months ago. It takes 
the main character through different points of his life. At the end of each little snippet, he, he ends up dying, and it, it, he was a, he he wrote um, the, there there are different passages about the things that he did in his life. Isn't that a Luna Brothers thing? Um, I believe so, but it's a it's, it's a Vertigo thing too. I believe. I think so. Fits right in there. That kind of that genre of book. Matt, I I sense a quietness coming from you during Vertigo talk. You have a problem with Vertigo? You just don't like Vertigo books? (laughs) (laughs) You're so passive aggressive. (laughs) Well, I'm Paul's funny because he was like. He's, he went at you one way, direct, Star Wars, and it got nothing from you. So now he's coming with the whole... <laughs> <laughs> I think Matt just doesn't have the same... He's not as thankful as I am for Vert- Vertigo books. It's not that I don't want to be thankful. I just happen to not have read a whole lot from Vertigo. I'm sitting here racking my brain trying to think, well, what? I know I've read some Vertigo stuff. What, what all has it been? I read Get Jiro. I told you guys about that one. I love Jairus. <clears throat> That's not what I said. Get Jiro. I think you didn't. Did you bring that? Um... Yeah, I talked about it on our non-superhero podcast. I think it was. Uh, You're not a Sandman person, is that? No, but it's not that I'm not a Sandman person. I've just never read it. I tried I... reading the new one, and it almost killed me. Oh, uh, was it not good? I didn't like it. I've been ready. I but maybe it it's not for me. I picked it up. I I was at the fucking comic book store and I was holding both covers in my hands for like an hour. I've realized that I am getting worse in my old age that I cannot make decisions. I truly cannot make A or B. Coke or Pepsi. Like, I have gotten to the point where blue. I... Go with blue every time. Red or blue? I don't know. I'll hold them both in my hands. And, like, I'll I'll be like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm going to get blue. And then I go to the... I'm walking to the cash register, and I'm three quarters of the way there. I'm like, fuck. And I turn around, and I go back to get red. And then I stand there for another hour trying to figure out. Do you ever have to go to Dunkin' Donuts and select... A dozen donuts because that would be horrible for you. No, I don't have to do that. Easy. Twelve toasted coconut donuts. Ooh, those are delicious, but twelve of them, isn't that a little overindulgent? Maybe two dozen toasted coconut donuts. Very the only way that donut gets better is if you put if is if you make it a pumpkin donut with toasted coconut on the outside. And then put it if it's a pumpkin toasted taco. Donut. And then you fry it inside an Italian sub. I am really full from, from the sub break, and just hearing this makes me want to vomit. <laughs> See, I was going the other way. Just hearing this Get makes you me want to toast the coconut donut. Oh, my God. Taco. <laughs> we'll move on to my second thing that I'm thankful for, which is a little more specified subject. And I'm going to say I'm thankful for Jeff Lemire as a DC Comics writer because as he's he's really, since New 52 really kicked off, he's made himself I think one of the core writers at at DC. I agree. Right now, and the stuff that he's doing is really good. 
uh, what what's funny about me picking Jeff Lemire is one of the things I'm thankful for is there's just as much of his I've read and haven't been impressed by as stuff that I have liked. But I lean I lean more toward the like side. Two of my favorite books consistently, month after month, are Justice League Dark and Animal Man. <clears throat> this run of Animal Man, since Rot World ended, has been fantastic. I would recommend it to anybody that was picking up comic books. Matt, you and me. I would I, I would even recommend it to you. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like whatever wavelength you and I weren't on for the last couple weeks has maybe dissipated a little bit. Uh huh. Where Matt and I were diametrically opposed on every subject. When did that disappear? Was it five minutes ago when you directly attacked his, <laughs> his precious Star Wars? No, there was it two minutes ago when you attacked him again after. He showed resolve and didn't respond <laughs> to your antagonism. When was this that this maybe, dissolved? Maybe it's because I feel strongly enough about Jeff Lemire's Animal Man run that that I, I think Matt could find some appreciation. Is this an olive branch to your comic book feud? I don't think we have a comic book feud. We just have differing opinions all the time. Usually, actually, let's let's be honest. This is your RoboCop feud. <laughs> That's what this is. I read uh, I read Jeff Lamar's Sweet Tooth. I read the first two trades. Vertigo, was, Vertigo Joint. Vertigo you Joint. Read that? No, uh, no. I read the first issue when it was ninety nine cents, and I was like, eh, okay, it's kind of whatever. And I yeah, did it after that. It was it was really goofy. Um, I was just un- unimpressed. I was nonplussed by it. It it did nothing for me. Did you say unplussed? Nonplussed. Oh, nonplussed. I knew that one. Uh, he has a new book out called Trillium that I've been toying with picking up. Yeah. But it looks really fucking weird. Yeah. Jeff Lemire's art is not really something to be written home for. I'm impressed that he can put together a book. Jeff Lemire's art reminds me of Paul Pope's art. <laughs> He's a poor man's Paul Pope. He writes, he draws ugly people. He drew Essex County. Right. Which I read, and that was fantastic. See, I'd like to pick up Essex County, because that's one of his books that has gotten a lot of acclaim you that would, I want to check out. You would probably despise it. Is it about some Canadian town? Kind of, yeah. It's about yeah. a kid that... Well, it's, it's... Yeah, it's like three different stories, but... His... I, I don't... I can't see anything there that you would latch onto or resonate his you. DC proper stuff, I have really liked. Uh, he did an eleven. Uh, uh, he did an eleven issue run of Superboy, and the art was touch and go. But the story was really cool. Before they relaunched the uh, New Fifty Two, it was like the last good Connor Kent story. Because now you may as well throw Connor Kent in the garbage because Scott Lobdell has taken a dump all over his chest. And <laughs> That's called Cleveland Yes, Scott Lobdell gave Connor Kent the Cleveland steamer. Right on his S. Did he poop like, <laughs> did he make the, the S shape with his poop? Stands for hope. Stands for. I think it stands for shit. Oh, yeah, before, uh, before Scott Lobdell got his hands on all the Superman characters, that was a really good Superboy run by Jeff Lemire. And I think he'd be really well suited to some other 
DC mainstream heroes because he's done such a good good job with them already. I think he's really good at writing the characters. You don't need a lot of dialogue. You know who the characters are. You know he's he. They're very well defined by Lamar. I think he could do wonders for any of the Superman books right now because they're a mess. The best Superman in the DCU right now is the one in Superman Wonder Woman. And when Superman and action comics are not your best Superman books, you're in trouble. So I'd, I'd love to see DC turn the reins over to, to well, Lamar. For what's the best Superman? Superman Wonder Woman. Tony oh, Daniel. Yeah. Who writes Superman Wonder Woman? Greg Charles Soule. Oh, I thought Greg Pak. Greg Pak does Batman Superman. Mm. Remember when when it was Superman Batman? When Superman was popular enough to get top billing? I don't remember that time. I still sort of feel like it should be Superman Batman. I think so too. It just feels wrong. I mean, even though Batman's more popular, it still sort of feels like Superman is the the face. Yeah, I mean, Batman's name's in the title. He's on the covers. Maybe they wanted to do it so that they wouldn't have to have it be volume number five of Superman Batman or... Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to see Jeff Lamar get more keys of the castle passed off to him. He's done a really good job so far. He's you know part of that keys core to the group castle. of these guys. Did you just make that up? Have you never heard keys to the castle? Keys before? to the car. Keys I've to heard the castle. I've heard keys to the. I've castle. heard king in the castle. I've heard king in the castle. I've heard keys. Keys to the castle. I've heard them both. Hmm. Yeah, am I, am I picking Jeff Lemire for one of the things I'm thankful for is based on how good this last issue of Animal Man was. Since Rot World, he's hooked it up. He has full creative license. He's doing his own story. It's not tied into anything else. He doesn't have editorial slamming down edicts for him, making sure he needs to follow certain rules. Sounds like he would flourish at a small little company called Image Comics. Well, he has been flourishing at a small little company called Vertigo, where he's done a lot of his own creator-owned stuff, uh, unfettered by editorial powers. The man, as we like to call it. But as far as DC proper goes, he's, you know, he's done nothing wrong for me so far. I am thankful for Jeff Lamar and would like to see him do more. That's fair. Are we ready, ready to move on to our number one thing that we're thankful for this season? I'm ready. Well, Matt, why don't you start? Do you have a light first? <laughs> Leftover candy cigarettes from... Um, Still smoking from, from Halloween. Halloween. Christmas hasn't completely taken it from us yet. Oh, that's a good pop. New Year's resolution, stop smoking candy yeah. cigarettes. That's right. Which well, just means we need to finish these all by the end of December. Yeah. Oh, that, that bowl is toast. <laughs> At the rate we go. All right, so, number one thankful thing. I got to tell you, I had it all planned out in my head, and then I saw Sharpley's screen, and it made me think I'm of something else. But I'm, but I'm going to go with my initial, my initial thought, which is, I'm thankful that we're going to get more Star Wars movies. And that has to do with comics? I thought... Nerddom. Nerddom. Okay. Nerddom. Okay. 
Do you want me to steal yours? Uh, no, I'll go with my, 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 my number one is Comixology. <laughs> I'm sure more Star Wars. <laughs> I was going to fucking kill you because I saw you looking over here and I was like, hey, hey. Did you have to get it ready, like, to say I like comicsology? No, because, no, 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 because it just dawned on me halfway through McGinty babbling on about whatever he was talking about. <laughs> I'm teasing, buddy. I'm sure more Star Wars movies will result in more Star Wars comics. So that's how it ties into comics, if you need to be such a stickler. I, I'm not a stickler, you won't stop it. I am thankful, number one, for my buddy Aaron Kent for selling off his comic book collection for a low, low rate because I'm getting a shit ton of Marvel books and trades for a low, low price. And it's a lot of the stuff that I've already read and that I really like. And uh, Aaron sold a bunch of stuff to a few buddies we play hockey with and, and myself. And he's... He's given me more than I thought I was going to get, and I really can't wait to dig into some of this stuff and read it. I'm excited for that as well. Maybe give you a greater appreciation of the fairer side of comics. And you may reap those spoils anyhow, as I'm sure you may borrow a few to read. Matt, you're thankful for more Star Wars movies. You are the biggest Star Wars fan that I know. Thank you. Says the man with the Rebel Insignia tattooed on his forearm. Yeah. That's true. To the man with Star Wars tattooed sleeve. all over his Star body. Wars sleeve. I have a Rebel Insignia, and it's bigger than Paul's, so I win. And I actually still like Star Wars. True. You do. Original trilogy, baby. Uh, haven't you taken it to just... Han, Luke, and Leia. <laughs> like, you pared it down over the past couple of months. No, you only I like I, Luke Skywalker. That's yeah, it. I, like, still, I only like blue lightsabers, and that's it. Blue, right. green, and red. Blue, green, and red. I I claim OT, original trilogy. Until they until something new comes out, per Matt's number one thankfulness, that may change my mind. I feel like a lot of the, um, <clears throat> a lot of the people that are not very enthusiastic about Star Wars anymore because of the prequel era stuff will be coming back into the fold in two years when that new movie comes out. Uh, I think that it's going to be great. I expect it to be. I think it will be. Um, using polynomics, we're talking 10 and 10. I'm telling you. <laughs> for those who are unfamiliar with polynomics, 10 for the expectations and 10 for the excitement. excitement so a clean some of us are a little more wary in our polynomics picks Ian what are your overall polynomics numbers for the upcoming Star Wars fan what so that I can get beat up next out. week after you two <laughs> gossip about me behind my back tomorrow <laughs> No, I'm, I'm curious because we know where Matt's at. We know you where said I'm at. You're 10 and 10. What are you, Paul? What are your Paul and your um, expectations um, are? My expectations are maybe a 7. My excitement is at a 5. Okay. Um, my expectation 
is at we'll go a ten and a half like Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Even I think that's ridiculous. My excitement is at an eight. My um, expectations are at a seven. Mm. Mm. Being cautious. Cautiously optimistic. Cautiously and optimistic. always the mediator. Is he? I'm, I'm, I'm diplomatic. What can I say? Except <laughs> when it comes to so, to bash Marvel Comics. I'm thankful I was that... Di- I bashed him too! <laughs> Come on! That's true. But the rest of us weren't allowed to bash them. I let you... I, I agreed with points that I felt were valid. Did you bash DC Comics, Paul? He did. They deserved it. He did. Okay. I I don't remember. But then he just slobbered at the dick of DC on this podcast, (laughs) on on next week's podcast. I'm a fan. Matt slobbers at the the Star Wars teat every week. We each have our vices. I'm glad that I only do that to Thor the Dark World. (laughs) So the reason why I'm bringing up Star Wars is because I'm I, I truly am thankful because I thought it was over. I thought that was the saga. That's all we're gonna get. All we're gonna have from here on out are some animated shows, uh, maybe some video games, comic books, things like that. But the bombshell was dropped a year ago that no, we are getting a whole new trilogy at least. Other movies beyond that, and. And for those that didn't like the prequels, well, don't worry about it because this is the continuing saga of the shit that you liked. And not only that, but the asshole that made the prequels that you hate isn't making these movies. So for those counting at home, this is the counter shot directly at Paul across the bow. (laughs) So I think that it, I mean, granted, I like the prequels, but. Um, I, I'm still excited about these movies because I think what it's incorporating is Lucas's strong suit, which is the storytelling aspect. Let that be his story. He he, he wasn't as strong as a director. J.J. Um, Abrams is probably a, a stronger director and can probably get better performances out of his actors. Um, I think Lucas is... Concepts are are probably the strongest thing in my opinion. Um, his his ideas, his out of the box thinking, mm-hmm. um, the 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 grand scale of the things that he imagines. That is what I always take, you know, as his his strong suit. Agreed. So, for something that I thought was never going to happen, ever, to to all of a sudden just showing up, and it's going to happen. It's in production, and and it you know there's new news always coming out. That's something exciting, and I am thankful for it. it but was, I'm also thankful for Ian's number one. <laughs> it was for as cautious as I am about Star Wars. I'm a little bit excited for. It. I'm excited for movies. Star Wars. Maybe it's just because I appreciate those the original trilogy. More than some of the other stuff. But it feels like something that should be big movie theater movies. Not just relegated to the small screen. Exactly. Yeah, like the idea of a TV show never really did a ton for me. Yeah, I would have watched it the first night for sure. 
But I have a feeling like I would have kind of gotten bored with it like I tend to do with TV shows. Um, but what what is really hopeful about these movies for me, and I think for most people that did feel burned by the prequels, is everybody associated with these new movies, from J.J. Abrams to even guys like Mark Hamill, who we're kind of pretty sure are going to be in it, but we don't know, they're all saying the right things. They're all saying... You know, less CGI, more practical effects. Um, they will very diplomatically criticize the prequels and say maybe some of the things that were wrong with it. So I feel like it's a it's a bit of lip service to the fans. Maybe they don't exactly feel that way, but I think they're just trying to get everybody back into the fold and kind of get excited for it. I think new creative talent, fresh eyes on the situation. But fresh eyes from someone who loves Star Wars. J.J. Abrams has come out and said even while he was making Star Trek movies, he'd you know, much rather be doing Star Wars, basically. That's why the Star Trek movies were good. Because they had that, that excitement, that you know, swashbuckling aspect to it. Um, I, I think that's going to be really good. And you touched on a point that these weren't... This wasn't something that we ever expected up until last year when they made the announcement. This is... This this is um, a gift to us. It's like somebody gave us a box of things and we're just opening it and rifling through it. It's something that uh, we can really take and enjoy. It it still feels somewhat surreal to even think that it's going to happen and we've had a year to acknowledge that it truly is in the works. It is going to come out. It's going to come out in two years and yet at the same time it almost still feels unbelievable. Yeah. Ian, I believe you have uh, you have a very special number one <laughs> thankful item. I think that we share um, comicsology, and more importantly, uh, just digital comic books. Um, they they have really changed the way the way that I purchase comic books, the way that I read comic books, the amount of comic books that I get. No longer are you just limited to the one time a week that you go to the comic shop and get all your stuff. You can buy things on a whim. You can buy things whenever you want to. You can read them in a new, beautiful format on your tablet or on on your computer. More more often, I mean, I I read them on my tablet almost exclusively. But the, the vibrance that is brought to each one of these books, the guided view changes the way that the storytelling is presented to you it's it's almost the way that i feel the the writer and artist really wants you to read it because you don't there are no spoilers if you're reading the guided view it takes you through the page image by image without your eye catching on to some of the the great impact points of each page um it's just a beautiful presentation i love the way that it's set up that i can get it whenever i want i can add on to my collection it's not a a either or i'm not fighting a war with myself where i i I need to i'm gonna buy all these on paper and i'm not i'm not gonna get any of the digital stuff i'm going to use them both and use them you know the way that i see fit that was a mouthful and that's why that's why i like it (laughs) that's why you're thankful i'm thankful matt you're also uh Comicsology supporter. I am a big time digital comic book supporter. I think digital comics. Would you say it's the fourth thing that you're thankful for this season? Yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, it, that was a really, a really smart pick on your part, Ian, because um, it is, it is a new thing that that has entered our lives that has truly, like, being comic book fans, affected us. It has changed the way that a lot of us consume comic books and. Like Ian said, it it truly changes the format in which you read it, and it and the experience is is different as well, and the experience is arguably better because of it, because of that guided view, because of that lack of being able to spoil anything for yourself. Um, granted, there's you know very cool stuff about actual tangible comics, like the smell of the paper. The flimsiness of the cover. The uh, nothing fucking pisses me off more than when I pick up a cover and it's all wimpy and flimsy. I hate that. It drives me insane. I'm gonna pretend you're serious and agree with you. <laughs> so, also, what's great about Comicsology? It's when they care. Oh, we're back to the covers. <laughs> <laughs> on Marvel game shit. I, I don't Now they're like, fair. here, I don't think it's wipe up your chest with this. <laughs> Clean yourself up. You disgust me. <laughs> but thankfully, digitally, there's nothing to worry about. All the covers well, have the same pixel width. One of the cool things about uh, digital comics is if there are multiple like variations for the covers, you know, cover A, B, C, D, whatever, they include them all in the in the digital purchase, so you can see them all. Uh, what is also nice is that you don't have to worry about rare shit. You know, like, I know that Archie Afterlife, very hot comic book that I wanted to check out, was sold out everywhere. It's already going for, like, I don't know, 10 bucks or something on eBay. You want it? Just go buy it on Comixology. Get the story. Get it. Don't, don't wait around. Um, we talked about the Star Wars a couple of uh, oh, yeah. couple of podcasts ago. The I Dark Horse my... app. Duh. Not as good as <laughs> Comixology, but we'll still give props we're, to Digital We're semi-thankful for the Dark Horse it's, Digital Comics. It's pretty bad. But I went to my local shop. They didn't have it. I could have ordered it. I could have went on Amazon. But to me, I thought it was going to be a good experience, even though I was wrong, to get it on the Dark Horse <laughs> app. And, and check it are out. You, are you not satisfied? Or well, I shouldn't say I, not satisfied. I are wish it was comicsology. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. As you were reading it, were you like this fucking piece of shit? Uh, I wasn't all that mad, but it it's noticeably worse. Paul, Let's see if I can get it in here, Matt. Do Paul, you Paul ever? Has absolutely nothing to say this about this. Is like this. the Vertigo conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, do you ever see yourself? Uh. Um, Dipping a toe into the com- into the digital comic book world. Yeah, one of these days when I branch out and get myself a tablet of some sort, I will absolutely get a Comixology app. But uh, I, I feel like it's pointless to look at on your phone because it's so small. And if what I'm about on, your laptop? If I'm on my laptop, I'm doing I'm doing something else. Like I don't want to just kick back. With oh, what my are you doing on your laptop? Usually jerking off or creating exhaust comic strips. Two noble pursuits. One of the two. One of the two only reasons I'm, I ever have my laptop open. 
Uh, it's the laptop's just too big. I want to sit down and relax and read some comics. It's just easier to do it with a physical book than it is to sit down with a laptop. This yeah, is, this is like a million physical books right here. This this digital. It makes really it easy is for travel cool. and vacation. Yeah, everything's at your fingertips. Although you can't really read those things outside. If you go on like a summer vacation, you go to the beach or something. Yeah. they're. Kind of hard to read. I've heard later. that. I, I I read my comic books in the same spot on my couch all the time, so it never affects all the time. me all the time. <laughs> but I can appreciate that. I have um, taken my iPad outside on, on rare occasions, and I was pretty disappointed with not being able to see anything. Yeah, it's like it's like the old... Did you have a Game Boy when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. I remember trying to play that fucker outside. Holy shit. Damn near impossible. Yeah. With its yellow graphics. That heavy-ass brick <laughs> of a Game Boy. Which Donatello has remade into the controls for Metalhead. Uh, or the, 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 ooze, the ooze tracker. That he tracks down spare cans of ooze with in the new Turtles cartoon. I haven't gotten that far. The guys that write and create the new Turtles cartoon are clearly our age because they pull in a lot of shit like the fucking Game Boy. The That's kids cool. these days have no idea what that is. But when kids we sit these down days. It, we're like, oh, that's clearly the brick that was the Game Boy. That's cool. And finally, Paul. To wrap things up, what I am thankful for is my good buddy Aaron Kent selling off a good bit of his comic book collection because I reap the spoils. That's right. Paul was so bored talking about comicsology and its wonderfulness to, to, to the comic book world and its contributions to expanding our medium. Because it doesn't affect him. Right. So he couldn't, he couldn't handle it, so he got up to go get his, his uh, treasure trove of comic books that he bought from his dear friend... Aaron. Aaron, whatever. Kent. Kent. Aaron Kent. Aaron Kent. Connor, Connor Kent's I needed brother. to go make sure... Is that who had the Cleveland Steamer? Yes, I needed did. to go. I needed to go, to go check what I had. Admittedly, I should have done this before the show. Show prep, everybody. It's before the show. show prep. We don't do show prep. So I dug out the box, and this is the first half. That has half. to be Frank Cho, by the it way. It is Frank Cho. Totally is, is Frank Cho. This is the first half of... A shit ton of Marvel books, and um, that I got uh, off Aaron for a, a little low price. The entire Ab- Dan Abnett, um, Andy Lanning runs of Guardians of the Galaxy and Nova are also on their way next time I see him. But so far, I've got all the post Civil War, Mighty Avengers, and New Avengers books. I got Dark Rain. Handful of Dark, Aven- Ooh, Dark the Avengers. And the Dark Rain stuff. The Confession. Uh, House of Avengers. I don't even know what that is. How much did you spend on this collection? But I am excited to read it. Gentlemen, don't talk about what they spend on comic books, even though we do every week. Though it was, it was probably it was way less than I should have spent for all of this stuff. What I'm excited about for you is. All the behind-the-scenes stuff that you're going to get to read because you didn't follow maybe some of the main books during this uh, the Secret Invasion 
a lot of the stuff that made that story so awesome was all the behind-the-scenes stuff where you found out how the Skrulls infiltrated the Marvel Universe, and they took little bits and pieces of classic moments that you would recognize and showed you how the Skrulls changed things and, and shaped the Marvel Universe for years. Right, and I give, I give Marvel Comics a hard time. You could say that. But I'm a comic book fan. And Are I you? Am, I am a comic Are book you? fan. I'm excited you about sure? digging into these books no matter what the publisher. Red, blue, Red, I'm, blue I'm colorblind. Doesn't matter. So many books. It's going to be a lot of reading. I have a shit ton of stuff to read. My watch have been reading card. Is going to be loaded if ever we get back to that segment. But I'm thankful for Aaron for being a good buddy and um, unloading some stuff that he was looking to unload and coming to me. Has your friend Aaron gotten out of comic books or was he just looking to unload us? Um, he's he's back out. and forth. He's not a Bendis guy. Not a big fan of Bendis. Um, so I think these are just books that he doesn't feel that he needs to hang on to This part of his collection. He's a huge Avengers fan. Has a lot of 80s Avengers stuff mm-hmm. that he won't part with. Like, those are those are his babies. Those are his Jeff Johns Green Lanterns. So, he's gonna hold on to all of that stuff, but the this Bendis era of Avengers, he felt he could part with. He, he sold that big uh, astonishing X-Men omnibus right after I borrowed it from him and read it. He didn't like that? What was his problem with that? He loved it. He just he read it. He didn't feel the need wow. to uh, to keep it. So does he, he have a a baby on the way or a life event that's no, going he's on? Just, what he he's just for? getting out of comic books. Just cleaning house. Um, he sold it for less than it goes for on eBay. Because after I read it, I was like, I need to get this. I need to own this big omnibus hardback book. I mean, it's, it was a beautiful book, well put together. That's um, an unwieldy thing to read, though, isn't it? doesn't matter. Especially in the bathtub? Yeah, it's, it's tough in the bathtub, but I would... You have to, like, rest it on your chest, but hope the water's not, like, too high. I love a well-made, a well, a well-put-together book, and that's a, it's a great story. Amazing. I like a well-put-together bath, man. Me too. Great story. Not too high, not too low. Right. Not very too warm. No, no, but so. very hot. Very hot. That's what, that... That's the finishing touch. Because oh, once well, that bath that. water gets fucking, like, room temperature, Look, forget it's it. It's disgusting. It's like, it's like somebody in... spit in your tub. Yeah. Repeatedly. Oh, I'm taking a spit a spit bath. It's a you water, soap, and dirt stew. Mm. Yeah. Get me a ladle. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would have loved to have owned that. Astonishing X-Men run, but after I gave it back to him and said, man, I need to get this, he had already sold it to another buddy of ours. Unreal. Son of a bitch. So he's not that good of a friend. I guess he thought he did you enough of a he more than He more than made up for it. No, oh, that happened after the X-Men omnibus? Well, we had a gentleman's agreement in place that would do all the Guardians of the Galaxy and Nova stuff anyway. You touch peepees. We did. Isn't that a gentleman's agreement? You touch peepees? I don't know. I want to know what you spent. Off. Save it for after the podcast. Is it really? This can't be public knowledge? Huh. Okay. Fair enough. Gentlemen only touch peepees. <laughs> That's going to do it for episode 34. 
Thanks for tuning in with us. And I think I speak for all of the McSauce crew when I say what we are most thankful for are the fans. Oh, we love the fans. An honest thanks to everyone who downloads the podcast every week, uh, checks out McSauce.com, gives us comments online or on person, or uh, supports us in any way possible, uh, gets in touch with us. Shoot some shit, talk some comics, talk about how god-awful the Buffalo Sabres New Jerseys are. The third jerseys, they're fucking hideous. Or acknowledges how good Planes, Chains, and Automobiles is. Or acknowledges how Do good Do yourself Planes, a favor, watch it tonight, because it's Wednesday night, I know, when you guys are all listening to this. And tomorrow is Thanksgiving, so it's a great way to um, to get the, uh, the day. The best right. Thanksgiving movie This of side of time. Dutch. It, it really is a great feeling whenever... Somebody comes up to you and they talk to you about the podcast. Be it the, you know, <laughs> our, our good friends that really enjoy the podcast. I love talking to everybody every time they have thoughts, questions, critiques, disputes, um, or general beef with what we say and do here on the podcast. And uh, I'd, I'd like to say, you know, thank you for listening and being a fan. We're thankful to you. Uh, please check out McSauce.com, bottom of the page. Uh, check out our uh, Toys for Tots um, donation PayPal page. Um, it's important to us. It's something we want to do this year. Uh, we want to start branching out in different ways, and you know, we feel that uh, donating towards Toys for Tots this year will be a great way to, to do that and to get us involved and to get you, know, you listeners more involved uh, with us as well. So. Uh, please check that out. Any amount is very much appreciated. So that's it for us. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Back to Sal. We'll see you next time.
Grimm.